Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. And what we're seeing here at the border, the migration flow, uh, increased migration flow, certainly, uh, it, you know, it ebbs and flows. And we're at a time of the year where we're seeing more uh, at the border. And it's not unusual. This is an immigration system that has been broken for decades. And the president has taken this very seriously to try to do more. He's done nothing. It is more broken than before, if you will, because there is no policy of cohesiveness in place. No one's willing to do the work and make the statement, sorry, you can't come in. But sorry, you can't come in. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Merry Christmas. One and all, everyone's so getting ready, so checked out. But there's still work to be done. What we're not, what we're seeing at the border is very unusual, outrageously unusual. This is Bill Malugan. I'd share it with you, but I don't know how everybody Spanish is. And he's speaking to people who are crossing uh, the the border. Uh, many of them coming from Ecuador. Ecuador isn't isn't safe. They're going to go to New York, Chicago, and Pennsylvania after they're released, and they crossed with men from Mali, Senegal, and Guinea. Is that right? These are able-bodied men that he's talking to. Why are we allowing them in the country? Sorry, we're closed. For able-bodied men, we are not available. Now you say to me, Tony, don't we need the workers? Oh, is this our argument now? My argument being used against me? We need people who will do the work? Sure, but they're going to New York, Chicago, and Pennsylvania. They didn't say, hey, point me to the closest lettuce farm I'm ready to go. I just want to send money back to my family. Remittances, as they are known. No, they didn't say that. Able-bodied men from Senegal. Able-bodied men from China. Able-bodied men from Nicaragua. Sorry, you can't come. And you say to me, that's harsh. and That's xenophobic. And I say to you, you sound like a child who wants to destroy the nation. That's exactly what you sound like. Now, you understand. I mean, you. I mean, they. You sound like uh, this professor, as is reported, uh, from the University of, was it, University of Minnesota, a liberal arts uh, school? UMNCLA? I think, I think that's exactly how I pronounce it. I think I got that covered. Talking about how we need to decolonize the United States. Hearing people on social media saying like, oh, land back, like genocide. Does this mean genocide? No, but land back is, is going to happen. That's going to happen. The indigenous perspective in Turtle Island and how we understand what is also happening in Palestine. And what we really want you to take away tonight is, as Anthony said, we're in the belly of the beast, right? We're all indigenous people who come from nations that are under occupation by the United States government. And of course, the U.S. bankrolls on the Israeli occupation of Palestinian land. They're one and the same, really. And so it's our responsibility as people who are within the United States to go as hard as possible to decolonize this place because that will reverberate all across the world because the U.S. is the greatest predator empire that has ever existed. Right. And so we want U.S. out of everywhere. We want U.S. out of Palestine. We want U.S. out of Turtle Island. Right. And that the goal is to dismantle the, the settler project that is the United States um, 
for the freedom and the, the future of all life on this planet, um, it very much depends upon that. People. These people are ridiculous. Let's just break this down to a couple of component pieces. First, understand that the objective is the destruction of Western civilization and Western culture. That's the goal. These people who are pro-Hamas, don't get me wrong, they hate Jews, but the, the, the objective is the destruction of America, of your kids, of Western civilization and culture. The people who allow for open borders and think it's all right for Chinese nationals to come across the border, able-bodied men want the destruction of America, want the destruction of Western civilization, want the destruction of your kids. We don't have to think hard about the ignorance of this professor. Allow me to be clear. Throughout history, there have been fights, there have been wars, and land has changed hands. It belongs to the United States of America, and you can kiss off, honey, and I mean to call you honey. I want you to be insulted because what you just said requires you to have your system shocked. It requires you to understand how absolutely impotent your thoughts are, how absolutely ignorant your beliefs are, and most importantly, what happens if you should be successful? You do not have yourself a microphone and a place to have a job. You will be abused until you're dead. Thank God almighty for the colonial project that is the United States of America. I mean, that's your words, right? You actually think that this is the problem? Darlin? Oh, oh, uh, honey and a darling. You know I'm in a, I'm in a place. This is the goal. This is the desire, and your life is so much better off because the United States exists, because the United States won, because the United States continues to succeed. Yet here you are with all your sycophants so desperate for its destruction. Why, why is it that you think if the United States is destroyed, this colonizer, that your life is better off? Who is free? The argument you are making is that if there was no United States, somehow everything would be better. You make no space in your head. You engage no concept of the reality that somebody takes over because someone takes over. When the land no longer belongs to the United States, what happens? You get together with some friends, you have yourself a, 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 a nice meal, and you divvy it up. Someone's going to decide that their divvy isn't good enough. They didn't get enough water. They didn't get enough uh, 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 land uh, that, that can actually grow uh, fruit. They didn't get enough hunting space. They didn't get enough waterfront property because they like a view. And then they fight. The tribes fought. And if the tribes were still here, they would continue to fight because people do that. I mean, human nature is human nature. I would rather they didn't, but, you know, things are the way they are. Why do these people believe that if the United States was gone, everything would somehow be miraculously peaceful? History doesn't show that. History doesn't show peace and it doesn't show peace uh, amongst indigenous people it doesn't show peace throughout the holes of africa it doesn't show peace throughout the entirety of europe it doesn't show peace why do they keep saying that it will 
This is part of the lie. This is part of the lie. And in the same way, we hear Corinne Jean-Pierre lying about the border. They can't honestly address the situation. For this administration, it is obvious, obvious that they want the issue. That they feel that solving problems at the border goes against their needs, their wants, and their desires. It hurts them politically. The nation is getting hurt. People are dying. The Border Patrol cannot keep up. The migrant surge, as reported by News Nation, straining Texas first responders. They have people who are drowning in the Rio Grande. They have needs all across the border, whether it be in Texas, whether it be in Arizona, all these places, but we're talking about Texas specifically, and they can't keep up. And if the first responders can't keep up, how are they keeping up with Americans who might need help? We are affected. And the answer is telling people at the border, no. The answer is telling Mexico, you better stop them or we're not going to be friends anymore. The answer is calling up the president of El Salvador, Colombia, Nicaragua and saying, you're going to stop people from coming. You're going to do it now, and you're going to do it fast. What, that conversation doesn't get had? That conversation doesn't get had? The administration is okay with Texas being strung out thin. I shouldn't use the term strung out, right? Uh, being, being stretched thin and first responders not being able to get everywhere. The administration is okay with able-bodied men entering the country from nations that want to do us harm. They're okay with Border Patrol agents being overwhelmed by those coming to the country 200 to 1. They're okay with non-governmental organizations teaching people how to lie about asylum. Not only are they okay with it, they are buoyed by this, backed by this, because they've got pseudo-intellectual professors that say, you know, America shouldn't have borders anyway because it's just an occupier and America should be gone. This makes up a huge part and parcel of their party, of their philosophy, and part of the reason they cannot bring themselves to engage properly at the border because that would involve saying that America has a right to be here. (sighs) Doesn't that sound a lot like the Israel conversation? Israel has the right to exist and Israel has the right to defend itself? The United States has the right to exist and has the right to defend itself. Except the political left says no. This, I, I mean, I just played it. I just shared it. I shared Corinne Jean-Pierre. They're saying no. They're saying no to the most fundamental of questions. Do you have the right to exist? They're saying no. And from the activist side, well, of course not. America shouldn't exist. It's just a colonial settler, occupier, pick the term of the day. That's how it connects. That's why we see no movement. Now, to the extent that the political right is not moving enough, I wholeheartedly agree. They are not in any way aggressive enough. They're not screaming. They're not yelling. They're not putting together rallies with tens of thousands of people saying, stop killing our children with fentanyl, Joe Biden, you murderous bastard. They don't do any of it. <laughs> it's it's like, uh, they, they have, man, we could use a man like Lee Atwater again. They need, 
Nice, nice pull, huh? You need to be able to fight the way they fight. You need to put these people on their heels. And yes, you need to introduce the policies and demand them. You need to stand up to the Ocasio-Cortezes and the Ayanna Presleys and the Cory Bushes and tell them no. And I'm not talking about in some nice, sweet interview where you're just responding to them. You got to walk up to them right there in the halls of Congress, nose to nose while they're doing interviews saying, stop hating children. You hate children, Cory Bush of Missouri. How disgusting and terrible. We need to stop the fentanyl spread. Will you agree to stop the fentanyl spread right now and put her on the spot and put Ocasio-Cortez and Jamal Bowman and Andre Carson on the spot and put Senator Dick Durbin, Senator Chuck Schumer on the spot? I didn't know that this concept was so radical. What I just brought to you and don't get me wrong, you, you, you can feel my intensity on, on, on that one. Who knew that this was such a radical idea? I think that the bigger issue is that even still, there are members of Congress and members of the American public who don't understand how radical the political left is. We are not the same. And we don't look at America the same. We look at America, see its promise, see its opportunity, and want to work ways to make it better. They look at America and say, how do we end this? We're different. And I think maybe this border conversation should finally get us to the place where we recognize that we are different. What they want is not what you want. And if they get what they want, you don't exist and your kids don't exist, and there is no future. The fact that they have not planned for the no future, if they were to get what they want, who would take over? They don't believe anyone would take over. They don't understand that they're able to push around these these, these, these Americans because somehow they won't get tough. Do you think you're gonna be able to push around the Chinese? Oh, they'll get tough. You're going right into a re-education camp or getting killed. We don't know this. We don't understand the kind of person uh, that Xi Jinping is. Well, if you if you choose not to pay attention, you don't understand. If you choose not to pay attention, you don't understand. I mean this to be grim. Because I mean this to be, for so many, the realization that this fight is good and just and necessary because the enemy's position is your annihilation. Not some small change, a total change that cannot provide better for you or your kids. So, how about we actually start fighting? How about we actually start demanding confrontation? How about we actually start demanding policy? And how about we state out loud that the people who complain about America have no way of making it better. They only want to make it worse. They aren't interested in the better tomorrow. They're interested in no tomorrow. They are nihilists. They are fatalists. And they should not be respected. They should not be considered. They want nothingness. They want the end of civilization. The only thing we should end is our paying attention to these disgusting, pathetic losers who don't value their own future.
This professor sits there on a panel supporting the Palestinian cause and saying, oh, we are an occupier. Honey, you don't know what occupation is. And when she hears this, she'll say, how dare he call me honey? That's so misogynistic. Darlin, that's the second time I've called you Darlin as well. All I did was use a phrase. When those people, the people who you don't believe are going to take over when you destroy the United States, take over, they're going to rape you and kill you. You've never read a book. You have no idea how bad it's going to get. Get down on your knees and thank the Lord above that the United States is here. I'm Tony Katz. The last minute Christmas gifts are now being purchased. And and oh, I have some of them. I have some of them right here. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Uh, the New York Times had a list. I, I was grabbing lists from anywhere. So even it's the New York Times, like, all right, let's see what you've got. And they put on their list the Timex Weekender watch. I mean, it's just a basic watch. Gives time in military as well. I'm like, Timex? Now look, I'm I'm a quasi watch guy. Uh, if if I had the cash, I would do I would do more. But I'd be I'd be very very targeted. Uh, it's just I I can't bring myself to spend some of the money that it is. And and dear goodness, if you can understand the Rolex market, you're you're better than I am. Uh, I would go Citizen over Timex. I mean, if we're gonna do just uh, a a no fuss watch, something that's got a little bit of style to it, I I I think I would go Citizen over um, Timex. I would go Bulova. Over time X. And it's weird because those names, I mean, they've long histories in, in, in watches, but people are like, oh, that's just a, a starter watch. They also make some very cool stuff. Remember, a watch is not always about the name. A watch is about what it means to you. A watch is a good gift, but a watch is, is, is a super personal one. It's a super personal gift. So when, when you're getting it for somebody, you're, 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 you're telling a story of what you think of them and then you're telling a story of how you see them. That's what a watch does. It's why I don't wear like an Apple watch. I, you, look, if you wear one, I'm not, I'm not telling you no, go ahead, live your life, right? Gives you a little health information, pretty cool. It's soulless. It has no soul. It tells no story. It shares no information. It's just, it's just there. It's just there, and that's not that. That, is, that to me is not fun. That to me is not fun. A watch needs to tell a, a story, a full and complete story. It's a great gift. It's a great gift, but remember that it's a personal one. It's a personal. It, it, it is. There's a lot in that. You're asking somebody to put it on their wrist, show it to the world. Hey, this is who I am. This is how I see myself. This is my personality. Never mind the artwork that is in many watches, but you know, those automatics and those movements and, and things like that. Just gorgeous stuff. Uh, so if you're doing a watch, just, you know, be beware. Or you can get this Clear Solutions Deluxe Large Cookbook Holder with Cherrywood Base for $64 from Amazon. That's just, a, that's just something to hold your cookbook. Completely different kind of gift. All together. Merry Christmas, everybody. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz today.
this story about where the Vatican is with same-sex marriage and blessings, man, it took off life of its own. And it's strange because both sides, uh, upon some levels of reflection and, and really reading, have an argument. Uh, uh, the argument that, that I got into with Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com is the idea that the church has not changed at all. They do not bless same-sex unions. They do not do it. And and this response that came from, from the church because of a letter that was kind of sloppily written to two cardinals from the Pope is, is very clear about this. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. But there is a reason to recognize that this church under Pope Francis has offered Catholics confusion. They've offered Catholics uh, reasons to say, wait, 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 say that again? And that's, that is not helpful. That, that lack of, of real clarity that you had to read the documents the, the, the way you did to get an idea of, of where they're at. Right, they, I mean, don't get me wrong, people should read the documents. But it's because that they offer so many other things in these almost kind of glib statements from the Pope that, that has Catholics concerned that they see what has happened here regarding these blessings, blessing the person and not the union, and say, wait, is that a, are they trying to do an end around? So first, let's get to what, what actually got said. Ed Morrissey joins me right now of hotair.com, where he is the editor in charge. We've talked about his book, uh, when it comes to the political scene, Going Red, available at amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. You've got the piece, and I, and I, and I give you the two headlines. The first was a headline, Catholic Shocked by Pope's Gay Couples Blessing. That was Newsmax. You, the headline, Media Mutters, No, Pope Francis did not okay blessings for same-sex relationships. Take us back, because this goes back to kind of like a a missive, like a a little note that the Pope wrote to a couple of cardinals, because I guess that's how they talk to each other, in regards to whether or not a blessing can be given to certain people, and that's what led to having this, this, this much larger piece of 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 rule written by uh, the, the Vatican. Talk to me about how this came about. Well, first off, it starts, like you said, with uh, some comments that uh, Pope Francis made over the last couple of years regarding, you know, same people who are in same-sex relationships. And actually, if you, if you can take it back even farther, um, about a decade ago, or a little less than a decade ago, um, they had the Synod on the Family in Rome, where all the bishops and cardinals showed up to discuss these issues. Um, more about the idea of how do you promote the gospel to people who are in irregular situations, which is sort of the Vatican term for cohabiting heterosexual couples as well as uh, same-sex uh, you know, relationships. Um, and especially how do you talk to the families of those, um, of those who are in those relationships, the children who come out of those relationships and so on. And at the time, the media misreported this as a debate as to whether or not the church was going to recognize gay marriage and same-sex couples and cohabiting couples and allow the divorced and remarried to access the Eucharist. And that was, none of those things were actually on the table on the synod and the family. It was very specifically just about how do you make people feel welcomed enough so they can hear the message of the gospel. 
and it got misinterpreted repeatedly. And I was there on the ground for that. I was in the Vatican. I was reporting from the Vatican during the Senate on the Family and, uh, and was able to correct the record at that time. So I have some familiarity with the way that this debate has evolved within the Vatican. And what happened more recently was that Pope Francis sent out some, amb some ambiguous signals. I mean, the criticism on this is, um, is, is probably well-deserved. Uh, oh, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Two things can be happening at the same time. That, that the Pope, Pope Francis, has been ambiguous on things. He has led Catholics to ask specific questions, and it has been frustrating. But on the conversation of where the church is vis-a-vis uh, -vis same sex marriage, that seems to be a common, straightforward thread. Well, yes. And, and this is, I mean, this is part of the problem. This is what happens when you have a leadership that's not clear, right? You really need clarity on these matters because it it matters you don't want to put people in positions where they think that they're uh they think that there's a certain acceptance that's going on that isn't because it just makes people feel more bitter when they realize that that's uh, that's not the case so what happened was is because of all this ambiguity the dubia that you just referenced which was the letters from the cardinal the cardinals i should say to the pope challenging him on these things and uh, the pope sent a letter back saying well you know we uh, we should be able to bless people without you know uh making sure that they're pure first uh required then the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith uh, which is the official theological arm of the catholic church to issue a pretty detailed and fairly concrete um, declaration, and this is what came out yesterday, uh, saying th what the nature of those blessings would be. And the, the nature of the blessing uh, that is allowed is simply individual blessings on people regardless of what their status is. And we see this all the time. Popes, you know, if priests, deacons, bishops are asked to bless objects, are asked to bless houses, are asked to bless homes, and none of that confers uh, any sort of sense of approval. It is merely just to bless people so that they can become closer to God. And, and I think one of the reasons why the, the media might be confused on this is because they have a secular definition of blessing, which, is to, which really does, you know, the secular definition means approval, right? Uh, but if you re actually read the document, the document is very clear. This is not a blessing of approval. This is simply an individual blessing. It's called a spontaneous non-liturgical blessing that people get all the time. And priests give these out even to people who aren't Catholics, uh, to people who aren't even religious. They just simply, if, if somebody wants a blessing, they'll, they'll give them a blessing. But so now let's, no... now let's take a moment. Let's take a moment. Talking yeah. to Ed Morrissey of hotair.com. The piece is over at hotair.com. The Pope responds to what's known as the dubia, D-U-B-I-A, of these two cardinals asking about this. Um, and, and this response is, as you're discussing, a differentiation between a blessing on a person to further bring them into the church versus a blessing of the union. And I want yes. to get into where uh, the, 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 the Pope and, and the church were very, very uh, clear and specific, and it happens in, in, in multiple 
of places that while there may be irregular situations, that's the terminology they use, and that's how they refer to a a same-sex union, that the blessing of a person, the blessing of, of trying to bring somebody to the church is a far different conversation than the liturgical side, if you will, about blessing the union itself, which is the which is the, what the Pope is saying they absolutely won't do. Break those two things down for me. Right. So again, um, a liturgical blessing is the type of blessing that, that would happen uh, as you're presiding over a wedding, right? And it's not the only type of liturgical blessing. <clears throat> Ordination would be another liturgical blessing, right? It's, it's something that comes from the book of blessings that is part of the actual liturgy of the church. And it's those are formal. They confer certain, you know, certain um, uh, official recognitions that um, that spontaneous blessings do not. And so the, the the letter, the declaration is very clear that these cannot be liturgical blessings. They have to be of the different category, the spontaneous blessings on the individuals involved, even if you're doing it two at a time. These blessings are just blessings on individuals so that they can become closer to God. And that's all the meaning that, that uh, is resonant within them. And the reason why they had to do this is because some priests, particularly in Germany, were actually blessing unions. They were showing up at the ceremonies to bless the, the, the couples in their, um, in their unions because of the ambiguities that, was, that Pope Francis had left. And so this letter is actually a restriction. They're trying to tell priests, you can't do that anymore. The only type of blessings that you can give are the spontaneous non-liturgical blessings on the individuals and not on the relationship, which they say several times, as you noted, they say several times in the document. And if you actually read the document and you have any understanding (laughs) of what blessings mean in the Catholic Church, um, you become very quickly educated that this is actually specifically saying that you can't bless same-sex unions. You and, can't bless cohabiting relationships. It's impossible to do. And let me give you, from, from your article, is section 39 within the letter itself sent out by the Pope, and I'm quoting, in any case, precisely to avoid any form of confusion or scandal, when the prayer of blessing is requested by a couple in an irregular situation, again, that terminology coming up, I continue to quote, even though it is expressed outside the rites prescribed by the liturgical books, this blessing should never be imparted in concurrence with the ceremonies of a civil union and not even in connection with them, nor can it be performed with any clothing, gesture, or words that are proper to a wedding. The same applies when the blessing is requested by a same-sex couple. In, in, in a world of, of, of non-clarity, that's a clear statement. It's a very clear statement. And, and the reason why they use irregular situations is because this isn't just about, um, you know, lesbians and gays. This is about anybody who is not in a, in a um, family relationship that, is, that fits within Catholic doctrine, which means a man and a woman married in a church um, uh, that are open to, open to life, who have not been married uh, before unless they've had an annulment uh, through the church. So there's a number of these situations where this, where this teaching has to apply. It's same-sex marriages, same-sex relationships certainly fall under that, <clears throat> uh, but also people who are cohabiting. 
in a heterosexual relationship. They can't have that relationship blessed either. Divorced uh, Catholics who remarry without an annulment, they can't have that relationship blessed either. And that's <clears throat> the reason why they use the irregular situations um, uh, you know, terminology so that it's clear that it applies across the board because it's all based on the same issue. These are not relationships that fit into the Catholic definition of marriage, which is liturgical and which has a formal liturgical blessing as part of the wedding ceremony. Um, and I would say, though, that the fact that they mention separately same-sex couples shows that they are emphasizing that point with the priests and deacons and bishops that had been uh, trying to work this into their, um, uh, you know, work this into their own practices. They are telling them to stop. That it is entirely illegitimate and that they are not allowed to do that. Now, whether or not they enforce it and how they enforce it is another matter. And, th and that's but just it. it. Right. It, it, that's that's always the question. But I think we come back to Ed talking to Ed Morrissey of hotair.com. Uh, how did the mainstream media and, and by the way, people who we would consider, quote unquote, on our side of the political aisle, how did they get it so wrong or maybe better to the point? Why did they want to get it so wrong? Well, I think that's the question. And I think that there's some legitimate reasons why people on our side of the aisle are very suspicious of Pope Francis. So they're not necessarily following, you know, the church debates. They're not really necessarily terribly familiar with Catholicism in some cases. And, and even among Catholics, maybe they're not really familiar with the, the, what has gone on previously in terms of the Synod and the family and some of these debates within the Vatican, and especially as it relates to the German church, which is a whole other, <laughs> it's a whole other topic. Uh, but um, the, um, I, I think people on our side of the aisle saw this as a yet another piece of evidence that Pope Francis is a radically leftist progressive. Um, and, um, and look, I mean, I, I don't, I, I sympathize with that point of view, but that's not what's happening here. And I think that they would have been better served to hold their fire a little bit and actually read what the document says. Now, Michael Brendan Doherty over at the, uh, over NRO did read the document and he still has criticisms of how this has been handled. And I think that those criticisms are valid by having Pope Francis introduce all of this confusion and ambiguity first, and then having to emphasize this. And it just creates the notion that the Catholic Church is paying lip service to actual doctrine while not doing much about how priests and <clears throat> other ordained are practicing it. I think that that's a, I think that's a fair concern. And so there is some of this criticism that's certainly um, valid, but the but picking up on what the media reports and and not checking up to make sure that it actually matches up with what has happened at the Vatican is a mistake, and that's just it. It's just a mistake to do that. And I think that's the, I think that's where the story is going to go. The idea that there will be priests and others who will not follow the Vatican teachings, the Vatican straightforward statements here because they think they're nicer or kinder or they're more social justice -y as opposed to following the church. And and I think that, yes, it is okay to criticize Pope Francis as many, many have. And I think that that is where the real, the real break is. But I wanted to make sure, at least from a rules perspective, we had an understanding of what actually got said within the document. And I think that we, we do. But just like I stated, 
the Pope has given enough comment to make people feel that he's trying to give a, a code around the side to manipulate the system, if you will. This is what has Catholics concerned, and I don't think that they're wrong. The people who are angry with the church, they don't understand Catholicism. I don't claim to be an expert. But on this, uh, Catholics will tell you this confusion is only going to create more and more problems. This is Tony Katz today. Seems that the war in Ukraine is no longer newsworthy. I know this because the Washington Post has stopped covering it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Well, it's it's not that they won't do a story uh, about it, but someone noticed that over there at the masthead, uh, they talk about all the things they're working on, you know, the opinions and the style, the investigations, uh, climate. Well, climate's still there. But war in Ukraine used to be one of the one of the buttons. You click on, you get everything about Ukraine. It's not there anymore. It's not there anymore. So I guess uh, now the political left has admitted that Ukraine doesn't matter like it used to. They haven't been able to convince America on this. They haven't been able to move people on this. Uh, They've got serious issues with the funding. Uh, Oh, well, I will move on to something else. Like Trump is an insurrectionist and has to be off on the ballot in all 50 states. I think it's a very telling thing from the Washington Post. Very telling indeed. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today.